0: Good morning, everyone. Well, this is one of my favorite chapters, and I think it reveals so much about Jesus. But also, we can learn much from it on how to properly interpret Scripture. So let's begin. Luke chapter 15 this morning. And here's what it says. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And what a beautiful thing that there are people willing to come and sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say. And Jesus loves it when people really come to hear, uh, to really come to want to know who he is, what he has to say, what he has to teach. And if we come, if anyone comes to him humbly wanting to learn and really wanting to hear what he has to say, he is honored in that. Uh And and, he wants to see lost people be found. Um, But now listen to this. Both the Pharisees and the scribes, so now these are the religious leaders and legalistic leaders, and they're seeing the sinners and tax collectors around him, and they begin to grumble. And this is so important to the entire chapter, the setting. And anytime you read the Bible, you it's really important to take a look at who is in the audience and how the audience of the passage impacts the interpretation. Now when what, what I mean audience, this is the, the scene of the audience. Like um, the audience sometimes can be looked at or the recipients, like who was the letter sent to or given to, like who was Luke, you know, and Luke was writing to Theophilus, but writing to give an account really to anyone who wanted to understand who Jesus was and what Jesus did and he was writing a, an orderly account but so so his 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 recipient Luke was Theophilus and anyone who would read this letter but now in this scene he's with tax collectors and sinners and there's Pharisees and scribes grumbling about the fact that Jesus is eating with them so that's going to shape what's being said in this entire chapter. So they were saying, the scribes and Pharisees, in criticism of him, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Because they would not want to hang out with tax collectors and sinners or Gentiles. They would want to keep themselves pure and uh, not associate with the world. And, you know, there's a place for that because we don't want to become like the world but yet we're supposed to win the world to Jesus. So we have to balance, you know, being in the world by, but not becoming of the world. It's really important that we want to reach the world Jesus left us to reach, but while we're reaching it, we don't want to become like it. So the Pharisees are saying, you know what, we don't. Want, why are you associating with all these dirty people, these sinners and tax collectors? And he's been criticized by them for it, but they're missing the point. See, Israel was supposed to be blessed by God and then they were supposed to be a blessing to the nations around them. Now they were not supposed to take on the other gods of the nations which they ultimately ended up doing and that's part of the problem with this worldwide mission is sometimes when you associate with the world you become like the world. So they ended up taking a harder stance and saying you know what we're just going to separate ourselves and not not really do our job. Is really what they were doing in reaching the world because they wanted to keep themselves, you know, pure. So now they're criticizing Jesus, but in doing so, they're losing sight of the mission of seeing lost people become found. So he told them this parable, this saying, so this is now what Jesus says in response. And there's really three consecutive stories that communicate the same point. So Jesus now says this, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it when he has found it he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing and when he comes home he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for i have lost my sh- for i have found my sheep which was lost i tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So Jesus is sharing this story about how much finding a lost sheep, and you know <clears throat> that's that's the lost person, and how much angels in heaven celebrate uh, joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Now the thing is, is everyone needs repentance, but not everyone realizes it, and the Pharisees really need. Repentance right now, but they don't realize it. And Jesus is saying, "There's more joy in one lost person coming home than 99 people who think they've got it all right when they don't." And that's what he's kind of thumbing the Pharisees and doing this and saying, "You guys are missing the point and what we're here to do and what what we celebrate in this life." So let's move on to another parable. Or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin? does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And when you find something that's lost, you celebrate and, "Oh, I'm so glad to have found what I have lost. And Jesus is sharing that, you know, and we even get others to join in our celebration. And and that is so much greater than uh you know, we need one sinner who repents is just is is just glorious. He doesn't share the side of it over the ninety-nine righteous people here, but he shares another story of of celebration and something becoming found that was lost. And now we have one of the grandest stories in all the Bible, one of the grandest parables of all the Bible, and there's so much we can learn from this parable. There there's so many different angles to it, yet I think one of the things that's been lost in the story of the prodigal son is that a lot of people will whip open the Bible and turn to chapter 15, verse 11, which is where the parable of the lost son um, begins, and they haven't read verses 1 through 10 to gain context of who's in the audience of the scene of the story and also didn't read the first two parables that Jesus shared. And therefore, they miss the main heart of the parable. And it's beautiful to see this son, this prodigal, I'm sure most of you know the story, come home. And that indeed is a huge part of the story. But I would say that the 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 significant most significant part of the story is really after the prodigal comes home what happens with the older son because that's been the focus of the story so far is that we celebrate lost things becoming found and the Pharisees were snubbing at Jesus because of the fact that he was trying to invest into lost people and they didn't like that they didn't like Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. So uh, I'm kind of giving you that pulse before we begin the story because I really think uh, this whole thing is really illustrating to the Pharisees what's wrong with their heart and not caring about lost people. So verse 11, and he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me amazingly so he divided his wealth between them and you know when this son wanted to go his own way you know there's not much you can do i mean uh god let him now what's amazing is that he even gave him half of the estate on his way uh it's remarkable um you know we don't want anyone to be lost in particular son and uh, but ultimately you know people have to choose whether they want to come to Jesus or not and as we see here in this parable there's there's consequences and actually those consequences are, are are good it's sometimes good that we face consequences for our waywardness so that we can see the height from which we have fallen And Lord willing, realize that God wants us to come home and that home is where we should have been the whole time. And many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he's lost everything. He's, he's lived in squandered, loose living. And now he's facing the consequences of what's happening, of his decisions. And even what happened in the world with the famine. Um, you know, and praise God for this hardship. <laughs> um, because it's going to finally get the son's attention. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, this is very important verse, is that Jesus is trying to get the Pharisees' attention. And now he's saying this lost son, who was home with the father and left and squandered his estate, now he's even went to feed swine, pigs. Now, that would be disgustingly sinful to a Pharisee because they're not even supposed to eat pork. Uh, you know, that was a, a law of the Old Testament. So now he's being hired out to, to, you know, to work with the pigs. <clears throat> you know, and, and Jesus is going to make it even worse here. And he's doing it to, to prove a point to the Pharisees, to the older brother. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. So he's even saying he would have eaten the the pig food, which is just trying to, again, show how disgusting the decisions this son made were. Uh, But when he came to his senses, hallelujah, and, and what a beautiful thing, all these consequences came to the point where the son realized where he had fallen. He realized how far he had gotten away from what he had been taught and what was good and right in being home with the father. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. And, you know, sometimes, you know, consequences are just what we need to, to wake up so that we can realize that the father wants us home with him. So this son realizes that, and he says, I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, he's just preparing his speech right now, but it's a beautiful speech because it's it's repentant. First of all, he's coming to the father and, He's going to come to the father, but he's in his mind coming to the father and saying, I've sinned. I've made a great mistake. And, and, and I'm no longer even worthy to be called your son. I've squandered your estate. I've lived in loose living. I've even went and fed pigs. Uh, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And humility is, is the key to life and to God. And to coming home to God. He loves it when one sinner is humble and repents. And uh, these are great words that this son is beginning to recognize, but he hasn't done it yet. He's just prepared his speech. So now in verse 20, he he got up and he came to his father. So he had to walk home and he's preparing what he's going to say. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. Now, what a beautiful thing. The father the whole time, and the father in this story is Father God, and he sees his son coming home. And it's like he was looking out the window, just waiting for the day that his son would come home. Can you imagine Father God, just the desire of him that a lost sinner would come home, that someone would humble themselves and and come to him and you know, God has divine foreknowledge, so he sees his son coming home. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. Now, just the fact that his son would come home at this point, you know, was showing the father that there was a humility there, that he was willing to come home. And look at the father's heart. What an amazing thing, the father's heart and he had compassion for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And, and again, why is Jesus sharing this parable? He's kissing the one who fed the pigs. He's, he's kissing and running towards. And for a father like that to run, uh, a religious leader to run and then kiss a sinner, the, the older son would just be the Pharisee in the story would just be like, oh, why would you do such a thing? And when he he kissed him, and the son said to him, "So now the son is finally gonna uh, begin his speech, and the son said to him, "'Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son." And the father like interrupts him, he isn't even able to finish his feet his speech, excuse me, but the father said to his slaves quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Honor, honor this one. The father God is doing and put it on him and put a ring in his hand. That's the, the ring that would show that he's part of the, the family and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. See, this whole thing is about celebrating a son who got caught up in sin, who has come home and And the Father is now celebrating, for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. And you know what? When we're not living for God, when we're not living for God, it's as though we're dead. We are dead to living for God. We're dead to producing fruit for the kingdom because we've walked away from from Father God. And it's as though we can't do anything to serve God in that condition. But when we come home to the Father and we say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we become alive again, and now we can serve God's heavenly purposes. And, and the Father God is celebrating in this story that this lost sinner son has come home because he was dead and he has come to life again. And, you know, that's one of the greatest tragedies of, of, of being away from Father God is that we can't live out our true purpose God has given us true purpose to live for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to serve His kingdom. And it's very sad when a son, a person doesn't embrace Jesus because then it's as though they really can't live for what they were designed to live for. But when they come home, God forgives them and celebrates them coming home. And now they're alive again and they begin to, they can begin to live for what they were created for, and that's to serve God. So they begin to celebrate. He was lost and has been found, verse 24, and they began to celebrate. And just like the other two parables of the story, when something comes home from being lost and comes back into the father's house, there's celebration. And now we're going to get the reaction of the older son. Now, who's the older son in the story? The older son is the Pharisee. See, back in verse 1 and 2, where were we? Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, but the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Do you see? So now the story flips, and he's going to show the Pharisee who they are. They're the one that are complaining about the wrong thing. Jesus is investing into people so that they can be found, and the Pharisees are staying to themselves and thumbing their nose at Jesus and looking down on everyone else. And now the older son is going to represent this Pharisee. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Even the servant got it and understood that this was a special thing, that this lost son came home safe. But he became angry. This is the older son now, like the Pharisee. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. He wasn't even willing to go and celebrate. And his father, and listen to the father's heart. How cool is this? And this father came out and began pleading with him. He didn't just ignore the Pharisee or the older son. But he answered and said to his father, now this is the older son, look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And see how the Pharisees were like, we've done everything right. We are self-righteous. And is it is it even true that this older brother never neglected a command? Maybe in his mind, but I, I don't know if that is even true. Just like, is, is the Pharisee lived a perfect life? They thought they did, but really... They were far from the heart of God. And he says, I've never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and he has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Oh man, aren't you grateful as I just think and marvel at my own life. And you know, I, I, I was never really home with God. But I got to a point where I really became lost. I became further lost and I went out and partnered with the world. And thankfully, God got hold of my attention and sent some people to me to share the gospel with me. And the Bible says that angels celebrate when someone comes home. I can just picture myself right now in that little two-bedroom house. And it's almost like a, a heavenly view. Like outside of the house right now as my wife and I accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, I can picture the very moment. And in the heavens, there were angels celebrating. The two lost people had become that we were dead but now we could live not only forever in eternity but we could live for what we were created to do and that was glorious in my life and in your lives when we came to jesus the angels celebrated there was joy in heaven and he's trying to get the point to these pharisees that gospel is coming for everyone It is good news. It's not just for those who are formerly Jews. It's for tax collectors. It's for sinners. It's for Gentiles. It's for anyone who's willing to place their faith in Jesus Christ. He's willing to forgive them. He's willing to promise them eternal life. He's willing to give us Holy Spirit to live inside of a sinful being because of the fact that once they've come to Christ, He's made them right, and now He can dwell inside of them. And that sinner can now live for the eternal purposes of God and be assured that one day they will be in heaven. What a glorious thing. That is something to celebrate. And may we never lose sight of what we're here to do. We're here to live for God and partner with him in seeing lost people become found. May we not become like the world in the process. May we... Stay home with the Lord. May we be holy as he is holy. But may we also take up our mission while we live here to help people embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. Church, that is something to celebrate. Oh, there's so many things that bring us happiness in life. But may one of the things that gives us the most happiness is when we see God help sinners become found in him. And when he uses us in that divine mission, what a glorious thing that is. May our hearts be right. May we be focused on the king and on his kingdom and helping more people to embrace it. Hallelujah. God bless you all.